You're listening to audio from Redeemer Anglican Church in the urban heart of Richmond, Virginia. We are a parish committed to gospel formation for missional presence through seven essential practices. Telling the biblical story, embracing a new identity in Jesus, finding belonging in the church community, cultivating virtue through redemptive habits, understanding our context in this current cultural moment, laboring in renewed vocations for the common good, and reordering our imaginations through beauty in the arts. To learn more about our church, visit RedeemerRVA.org. Thank you. Today our scripture reading is from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 through 7. That will be found on page uh, 573 in the Bibles in the back of the pew. Um, If you do not have a Bible, please take one as our gift to you. Merry Christmas. All right. Hear hear now the, the word of the Lord. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the the land of of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Yeah, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rode in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel reading comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. You can find it on page 857 of your Bible. This is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. 
And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Amen. Let's be seated. Once more, Merry Christmas. This morning, Christians in Nigeria and England and China, Ukraine, Argentina, Kenya, Italy, Australia, the whole world over are rising to celebrate the Feast of Christmas. They and we with them are called this morning to remember the incarnation of the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, as a human child. Let's think about the word incarnation. In carne. Carne, from which we get our word carnal, fleshly, Carne is also Spanish for meat, and so, not to get too visceral here, in carne, in the flesh, in the meat. Deliberately using visceral language because it's important that we not overly sanitize the story of Christmas. God is becoming one of his own creatures, a human baby, a little pink wiggly creature that needs to nurse at his mother's breast, to have his diaper changed, to take a bath, and all the things that all of us need. The doctrine of the incarnation comes from reading the nativity stories and taking them quite literally. This is what God has done. It's not a metaphor for an invisible spiritual principle. It's a real event in space and time. Now, of course, there are lots of folks, I'm sure some of you this morning, who might scoff at this and kind of doubt it. That's perfectly normal. You don't have to believe in the incarnation to like Christmas. But I would caution anyone who smirks at the literal understanding of the story to weigh the consequences of disbelieving the incarnation. Think about it this way. Let's go back through time. In the third and fourth centuries, the years leading up to the Council of Nicaea in AD 325, Christians were at the time persecuted violently for their faith. And one of the crucial doctrines that Christians believed that the Romans could not stand was the doctrine of the incarnation. Now, why would anybody care? Like, since when do governments care about theology, right? Well, the Romans saw it as a deeply dangerous idea to believe that there was one God who became incarnate in one man, Jesus. It's the scandal of particularity. If this is how God has revealed himself, then the other ways that people claim God reveals himself then wouldn't be valid. So if Jesus was truly divine, co-equal with God the Father, then what does that mean for not only the Roman pantheon, but also for the religious pluralism of the empire. And even more, that's just general, even more pointedly, at the time, Caesar was known as the son of God, the king of peace, the Lord of lords. So if you're a Christian, you come along saying that Jesus is the son of God, incarnate in the flesh, and that he's the prince of peace and the king of kings and the Lord of lords, then what are you doing? Well, you're kind of speaking treason against Caesar. And so 
many Christians, men and women and even children, were dragged off to be crucified or burned alive or eaten by wild animals, all because they believed and proclaimed the doctrine of the Incarnation. The doctrine of the Incarnation was such a big deal that at the Council of Nicaea in 325, it was the occasion, and this is kind of funny, for a physical altercation between two pastors. One pastor, a guy named Arius, was a priest who taught that Jesus was divine in a sense, but not co-equal with the Father, sort of a lesser deity. And there was another pastor named Nicholas, who was the Bishop of Myra, and he taught the full incarnation, that Jesus was equal, co-equal with God the Father and the Spirit. And just as kind of a side note, since it is Christmas morning, it's worth pointing out that Bishop Nicholas was known for his generosity, especially in giving gifts to children in his diocese. And so much so that some later started to call him St. Nicholas. And our modern mythology of Santa Claus as a giver of gifts is based upon the very real Bishop Nicholas of Myra. Now, these two pastors, Arius and Nicholas, met at the Council of Nicaea. And at one point, Arius stood up to give a lecture on the subordination, the lesser deity nature of Jesus. And Bishop Nicholas thought of all the people that he knew, all the men and women and children in his diocese who had died for their belief in the Incarnation. And he was so angered by the heretical words of Arius that he got up out of his chair, and even though he was an old man, he hobbled his way to the front of the room and open palms slapped Arius across the face. Which just goes to show that doubting the Incarnation may very well get you slapped by Santa Claus. Now, why does it matter? Why does the incarnation matter for the way we live? Think about it this way. The incarnation is the foundation upon which we build our respect and our dignity for the human body, both our own bodies and for the bodies of others. Why should you care for your own body? Why should you care for the bodies of others? Aren't bodies just these sort of temporary houses for our spirits, the real us? No. God took on a body. And because God took on a body, all human bodies now have divine dignity. The incarnation is the foundation upon which we value all children, not only if and when children are desired, but all children in all situations are worthy of sacrifice, sacrifice of our time, our money, our lifestyle. God became a child. Therefore, all children have divine value. The incarnation is the foundation upon which we value the physical presence as a prerequisite for all real relationships and, and all real work. And the technology of our time has not diminished this. It's actually heightened our awareness of it. It's why these days are some of the biggest travel days of the year across the world. Why? Because, sure, you can Zoom call with your family, and some of you might do that, but it's not the same as being physically present with them. And God agrees. God sent his messengers to his people through the prophets throughout the whole story of the Old Testament. But when the the time came to do the real work, he didn't send a messenger. He came in person. God is present. Therefore, physical presence with each other is vital and valued. So, let me conclude here. If you do not believe in the physical incarnation of Jesus, then you lose the foundation for the dignity of the body, the human body, and the bodies of others. You lose the foundation upon which we value all children. 
You lose the foundation upon which we value the physical presence of each other for love and friendship and work and care and compassion. And so no matter what you have believed up until this morning, I ask you to consider anew the incarnation. Because of Christmas, your bodies have dignity. All children are of priceless worth, and there is nothing better than being present with each other because of Christmas. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus, to become incarnate in the flesh, to be here amongst us, to live the life that we should have lived, to die the death that we should have died, and to rise anew to give us a hope and a future. We love you, and we are grateful this Christmas morning. Amen. Thank you for listening. To connect with our team or to learn more about our church, visit RedeemerRVA.org. We look forward to knowing you. Go in peace.